strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Ring. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800 State Farm. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. The Red Sea is rising up. Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. Get the popcorn ready. It's going to be a show. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! And we start with a shout-out, a memo to Ron Wolfley. Actually, it's more of a vow, perhaps a promise, (laughs) if you will. To our listeners here of the fine Big Red Rage presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert, that if at any point over the next hour we get the sense Ron Wolfley is not prepared in any way, (laughs) if Wolf, shall we say, fails to inform and or entertain during this splendicular edition of the Big Red Rage starring Dave Pash momentarily. I see. I am armed and ready here with combine knowledge and notes. (laughs) NFL combine information stats and information so profound that it's guaranteed to (laughs) boggle the mind so if any point wolf everyone starts dozing off and you're just boring the pants off us then um you know like right now wolf obviously you got nothing uh here we go actually i do bully right now i mean bubble boy that you are right there your forehead wouldn't fit in the bubble J.J. Watt and T.J. Watt are the only pair of brothers to ever both win Defensive Player of the Year honors. Did you know that each had the largest hand size of any defensive <laughs> player at their respective combine? Yeah, how about that, Paulie? I'd love to see, you know, if that is the truth right there, what what size was it, Paul? Do you know? Was it like the legendary 11? It was. They both were 11, and I believe uh, J.J. was 11 and an eighth. Oh, my goodness. Are you serious? Do you know what your hand would look like, Polly, against that a size 11 hand of J.J.'s? That'd be... Yeah, I, oh. I don't want any part of that matchup. No, None, you do not none want whatsoever. that, right there. In honestly. fact, did you see J.J. Watt in the Tweety where he's holding the Gatorade can, and somebody split the screen and compared it to the old infamous picture of Andre the Giant with a can of beer in his hand, <laughs> and it wasn't that far off. I mean, by the way, speak because yes. you are prone to giving us a lot of the noise, a lot of the nonsense about hand size as we lead up to the draft. Just to well, let you, you know, know, I've got huge hands. Paul. You know, here, let you know that Joe Burrow had the smallest hand size of among all quarterbacks <laughs> drafted in the first round. Oh, I see since, what you're doing. Since 2003, Joe Burrow had the smallest hand size of any quarterback drafted in the first I round see. since 2003. So, just I don't want to hear any of the hand size stuff between now and the NFL draft. Once, once again, though, Paulie, you got to understand there are norms, right? I mean, there are standards that you're going to look at and say the vast majority. It's always going to be exceptions. Polly, you know there's always going to be exceptions. Like, oh, I don't know, having a fullback that's only 222 pounds? That was an exception right there. You're always going to get the outlier on the combine numbers, and that's the great thing about it, because you just, in the end, never know. 
So we're armed and ready. We have more factoids, fun factoids from the Combine, ready to entertain uh, as we lead up here to Dave Patch joining us on this edition of the Big Red Rage. Wolf, did you realize that earlier this week, Tuesday, Tuesday not only was a palindrome, 2-22-22. Yeah, I got it, Paul. It was also the start of the window in which teams can designate players with a franchise or transition tag, dot, dot, dot. Do you anticipate either one being used by your Arizona Cardinals? You know, honestly, I've been thinking about this right here, and of course, you're going to have to go ahead and tell me what contracts are going to be re- redone, so to speak. What contracts are you going to go ahead and condense and free up some money? How much money will the Arizona Cardinals have when Steve Kime is ready to go in free agency? That is the question that I have. Right now, they're at the cap limit. If you believe all the websites Correct. and the projected cap is $208 million and change, it's not exactly officially official yet. Cardinals are right there at about the cap, maybe eight hundred grand over if you do that. So then you start looking at certain candidates. And you're right, Wolf. You look at a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, whose annual salary is going from 125 to $25 million this coming year. No, oh boy. Or a J.J. Watt from $5 million to nearly $16 million. Yes. A, a Buda Baker from 7.8 to 14.8. Even a Rodney Hudson from 2.9 to 12.6. So are these guys candidates to redo? And then if you're talking about perhaps a tag, is that where Chandler Jones might come into play? Man. Uh, Pass rusher to pass rusher. Here's Kyle Vandenbosch on the Red Sea Report this week, just on the decisions that are coming from Steve Kime and company. There's a lot of tough decisions, and a lot of it comes down to what does this team think they can do in free agency and what positions do they value the most in upgrading. So what what says you on this front? And in particular, let's start with Chandler Jones because the math has been revised. Apparently, if you're going to tag Chandler Jones, yeah. it's going to cost you $25 million. Wow, Paulie, I thought it was $20 million for a franchise tag on the edge. Uh, that's you, what I, I saw, $20 million point one. So obviously you've got new numbers that I have not seen right now on a franchise tag. But, Paulie, what about a transition tag? Possibility. What about that? The top 10 at the position right there. Maybe that's something you could do, give you the right of first refusal. Because when you look at the pending free agent class, there are not a lot of edge rushers. There just aren't. There are going to be some receivers that are theoretically available. There are going to be some offensive linemen that are potentially available in free agency that you would be interested in. Not a lot of edge rushers. And you know how it works, Wolf, in the NFL. Once you get your quarterback, it's all about protect that quarterback and then get to the quarterback. Right. Yes. And minus Chandler Jones, the Cardinals, that's going to be a big box to check if they don't bring him back. Yeah, no, you're right about that, Paulie. Honestly, uh, to a point so much I was thinking about that this week. Is there any way, really, what if they do slap the franchise tag on Chandler Jones? Um, listen, I don't think Chan is done. I don't. I, I don't think Chandler Jones, I don't think they want to pay him $20 million a year. As a matter of fact, I know they don't want to pay him $20 million a year, but... You know, honestly, if it's for one year, I think it's more, it's something you can actually do if you're Steve Kime in the Arizona Cardinals. And, you know, again, do I want to see the best for Chan. I want to see him go and be happy wherever he plays, whether it's here or somewhere else, finishing his career. But this is the way that it goes. He, he is a quality 
edge rusher. And because of that, I could see them slapping a trans, uh, transition tag on him. Yeah, I mean, you think about, look, five of his ten and a half sacks came in one game. We know that in the season opener at Tennessee. But he still had the Cardinals in total pressures. He tied for the NFL lead and turnovers caused by pressure. In fact, he was tied with Marcus Golden in that category. And he did it without that stud defensive tackle, that guy who was supposed to be Jordan Phillips. He did it without, you know, Jeffrey Simmons. He did it without Aaron Donald. He did it without that guy, a running mate, where they could do the TE games you talk about, you know. And so he got an inordinate amount of attention. We know that. And so if you think about it, the last time they tagged him, a month later, they ended up doing his long-term contract extension. So a lot of times when you tag someone, that's the catalyst to get a deal done because the number is so huge that coming season. Yeah, Paulie, no, there's no doubt about it, man. The edge is a great place to start, but I also think right now, man, I'm thinking of Kyler Murray and what the Arizona Cardinals have got to do to continue the advancement of Kyler Murray and his career. I'm looking at offensive guard. I mean, offensive guard is is a position. Maybe you want to address this, I don't know, in free agency, if you can. The problem is, if you're going to address it in free agency, you're going to pay through the nose for the most part, Paulie. That is a position. Offensive line, there's a lot of people out there that are looking for offensive line. That is a position I think needs to be addressed at some point in time. I, For me, for the most part, I love getting an offensive lineman, an offensive guard that has got some experience experience behind him you know i mean that but that's the problem suddenly a guy has got some experience behind him has some tape on himself as well and he's doing well guess what people want to pay that guy maybe it's the draft the arizona cardinals say hey at 23 we're gonna take the best guard available that's a position i want to see addressed because of the nfc west and who plays in the nfc west of course, and also because Kyler Murray needs to be protected. Well, two thoughts there. Number one, if you take a quick look, and I was looking today at some potential free agent offensive linemen, Mark Lewinsky of Indianapolis. Do you like the Colts' offensive line? Because their starting guard could be out there. But to your point, you're probably going to have to pay through the nose. Here's the other thing, uh, getting back to the combine notes and knowledge 58 offensive linemen have been invited to this year's combine. That's the most since 2013. So that's definitely a loaded position group, offensive line. And we'll see what the Cardinals may be able to pull out of that. We'll hear what Dave Pash has to say about what needs are most pressing next on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. I have yet to broadcast a football game. Well, hey, there's an invitation here. You want to come do a game with me sometime? What do you, I thought you were just a fan. I thought you were a fan <laughs> that had a podcast and just wanted to talk about football. And then I ca- call in here, and we're already in overtime. Yep. Yeah. Because you talk so long, with, I didn't even get a question. So Ron Wolfley is who I do the Cardinal games with. There are a lot of people that want to hear you and Ron Wolfley on a broadcast. Oh, Wolfie, let's go. Only if you lead us in with werewolves of London. (laughs) That can be arranged. There's an excerpt and outtake from the Pash podcast. And. 
me tell you, if Dave wants a broadcast where he really won't say anything, just get Walton and Wolfley together and guaranteed uh, he'll have to be paid by the word uh, during that one. In fact, he'll probably say more here tonight than he would during a three-hour game broadcast. As, yes, the Hmm. voice of the Arizona Cardinals for the past two decades is our special guest here on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Dave Pash, how are we doing? Paul, Wolf. How are we doing, guys? We're doing good, man. Thank you, David. Really appreciate you joining us right now. Do you want to rip Paul right off the top? Do you want to do something? <laughs> no, nothing of the sort. You know, Aaron Rodgers, you guys see where Aaron Rodgers yesterday said he, quote, just came out of a 12-day cleanse where you're eating a specific diet. And I'm thinking, you know what? Dave hangs out a lot with Bill Walton, especially this time of year. Have you ever been on a, on a Bill Walton cleanse of, of any sort, Dave? No. No, you know, he used to – so what what he does in terms of his pregame routine is he has a large amount of, of protein that he takes into his body, and he also eats about 300 energy chews. And he used to give some to me. He has, like, this gel that he sucks on. Oh, my God. And then he these chews. He used to give me some. He doesn't do that anymore, which is probably good because I could never fall asleep the night after games with him because – for him, these broadcasts are like Game 7 of the NBA Finals. So He's wait a gearing minute. up for a battle. <laughs> so, David, you're, you're telling me he eats a ton of protein chews? Is that what you oh, said? Oh, yes. No, well, no, no. Protein, protein bars? Protein bars. Oh, my protein goodness. Protein bars, a, a, a huge thermos that has, like, a chocolate protein shake, and then he'll sit there and he'll eat energy chews. Like, you've seen those, oh, right? Goodness. They're little cubes. They're, like, you know, look like uh, little... You know, jelly candy that he'll sit there and just down those. And there's this other thing, this gel that he sucks on. It's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) David, you had to be so thankful for the pandemic and being masked up, I would imagine, (laughs) with the protein bars. Well, I tell you, Aaron Rodgers called his cleanse a, uh, quote, a kind of recentering that heals you physically and spiritually with, with, with meditation. So we need to get Aaron Rodgers and Bill Walton together. I think that's the conclusion there. And by the way, uh, for all the Dave Pash podcasts, you can go. In fact, the latest one features Suns Ford and standout Mikhail Bridges, right? Isn't that right, Dave? Yeah, we had Mikhail last week uh, talking about you know the Suns and potentially winning Defensive Player of the Year, doing a little bit outside the box here uh, with that. And then this week we've got uh, George Klyovkov, and you're wondering, who's that? He is the new Pac-12 commissioner. Mm. He will be on this week to talk about a lot of things, including the college football playoff not expanding, which is you know a big, big topic right now in college football. Well, here on the Big Red Rage, our big topic is the offseason. And in a lot of ways, it really officially ramped up and launched this week, Dave. Do you expect it to be inactive? Off season, a team that started seven and zero, ten and two, lost five of their final six. We all saw the ending. What sort of off season does that mandate? You think if you want to stay competitive and dare I say, make a run at playing in your building, come Super Bowl Fifty Seven? I think it'll be active, Paul, and I think it starts with re-signing your key players. I would assume that James Conner and Zach Ertz are at the top of the list. And then, you know, trying to figure out, okay, what free agents do we need to target? What trades do we need to make? And then I think the draft is your last tool that you use to improve your team because you're, you're that close. The draft is still important, but I think these other things, and that was the case last year and really the year before, uh, you know, you've built your team. 
Now it's adding that piece that can get you over the top. And, uh, you know, I, Kyler Murray has to be Kyler Murray from the first two months for the Cardinals to get where they want to go. But, you know, adding pieces around you or trading pieces to get better players can help Kyler get to that next level. There's no doubt about it, David. It's one of the reasons why, you know, if you look at the top three positions of importance, maybe this off season, if you guys care to talk about that in regard to what you think is your number one position, Paulie? Receiver. I'm going to go receiver. I'm going to go flat-out receiver. Right now you have DeAndre Hopkins, you have Rondale Moore, and TBA. And, look, you had DeAndre Hopkins. Even when he was healthy, did you really have a legit number two? You need that other outside guy. And whether that can be Rondale Moore, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, and we'll hear uh, you know, just about the prospects of perhaps moving him outside and what could his route tree be. But to me, receiver is just vital, especially in this Cliff Kingsbury offense. And so whether that's feasible, whether you can pull a trade, whether there's somebody viable via free agency, I just think that has to be addressed. Because look at how the offense just dried up in its productivity once you lost D-Hop. Yeah, Paulie, honestly, that really is. That is a good answer right there. And I don't know if there's any wrong answers. I I think this team does have an awful lot of needs. But for me, you're talking about Kyler Murray and protecting Kyler Murray. And because of that, especially in the NFC West, where you've got the likes of an Aaron Donald, I think you have got to do whatever you can to shore up that interior offensive line right there. And in particular, I would say offensive guard. That is number one. Um, Now, listen, I don't know, guys. Do you get that in free agency? Uh, This is something we were talking about, Paulie, in the last beautiful part of the program for a couple of minutes. Do you do that in free agency? Do you do that in the draft? I, I love this Kenyon Green kid from Texas A&M. Have you seen this kid? 6'4", 325 pounds, Kenyon Green. I think he might be there at number 23. Mm. And based on what I see, he's capable of playing in a zone scheme and a man-blocking scheme or a power scheme. Dave, position group, what do you think is most vital, most needed right now? I want all defense, and uh, I'll explain why. I, I think... You know, you can still get somebody in the draft on the offensive line. Uh, you've got enough veterans there that you can get somebody in the draft that you can plug and play. But they they were pretty good up front for the most part this year, and they had depth up front. I, you know, receiver, I'm with you, Paulie. After D-Hop went down, they weren't as good at that position. But, you know, how much of that – you know, is the offense as a whole. How much of that is Kyler wasn't as good. Uh, and, you know, he has to adjust to D-Hop not being there. It didn't seem like, uh, that, you know, his numbers obviously went down and things were not as easy for him in terms of reading defenses when DeAndre Hopkins is not on the field. Uh, you know, A.J. Green, uh, you know, we saw that you know, he's on the downside of his career. Christian Kirk almost had 1,000 yards. So what do you do there contractually with him? And Rondell Moore, I was curious why he wasn't as productive mm. the second half of the mm-hmm. season. And again, how much of that is the offense as a whole just wasn't as good without DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler wasn't as good. So uh, for me, it's a defense. You know, the defensive line, you know, was disappointing. A corner, they're young. Byron Murphy was great the first half, wasn't as good the second half. 
And, you know, inside linebacker, it's, you know, at some point, you know, whether it's going out and get somebody else, I mean, outside linebacker for that matter, you know, do you bring back Chandler Jones at his age, uh, given the, the money that he's going to attract on the open market? And then, you know, your, your draft picks the last two years, Isaiah Simmons took a step. He's got to take another step. Zayvon Collins has to be a factor. So to me, I think you're good enough. If Kyler Murray is the, plays the way he did those first seven games, and if you can get a second tight end, if Max Williams comes back, yes. that was a key loss for them. Man, if Kyler plays the way he did the first two months, I, I don't know that you need to have a, an all-star lineup around him, but you do have to have better players on defense, or at least those younger players that step up on defense. Voice of the Cardinals, Dave Pash, our guest on the Big Red Rage. I will say my next two position groups after receiver, and we already talked about edge rusher to start the show, but my next two position groups do come on the defensive side, corner. And I think the loss of Robert Alford was underrated. It was underestimated just how severe a blow that was to the Cardinals' defense. When Marco Wilson all of a sudden had to be your number two corner down in and down out, if you believe pro football focus, he allowed a passer rating of 134 in coverage. Marco Wilson is a number three corner. You are a much better defense if you can get a legit number one or number two corner to go with Byron Murphy. And then the other spot was a spot that Jordan Phillips was supposed to fill in free agency a couple of years ago, and that's defensive tackle. Man. And if you can have a guy who can start collapsing the pocket from the inside, from the inside out, and or stopping the run, what was it, a half dozen times the Cardinals gave up a buck fifty or more rushing, uh, that was a problem, a persistent problem. And if you can get that guy as an interior D lineman, that's big. So Oh, those are your two right there, Polly. Those are yep. your three all together. You know what? I'm going to go number two. I'm going to go cornerback. Um, listen, Marco Wilson, I, I'm bullish on Marco Wilson. I am. I, I, I understand the pro football focus grade that is out there right now. Here's what I know. Watching him through the first 10 to 12 weeks of the season, he was a different player the first 10 to 12 weeks of the season than he was to finish out the season. Would you guys agree with that? That, I mean, I'm wondering about that, Paul. I I seriously wonder about that. I I know how high the Arizona Cardinals coaching staff was, especially the defensive side of the ball, on Marco Wilson. And Marco Wilson was was holding his own. And then he, he seemed to hit a wall. And we've seen it before. Um, I'm not condoning it. I'm not saying, ah, there it is. That's okay, Marco. It's okay if you don't play well. You hit the rookie well. No, I'm not. I'm not condoning it. But to me, maybe that's what happened to Marco Wilson. I think offensive guard protect Kyler Murray. I think cornerback. You need a corner out there to go with Byron Murphy and Marco Wilson, and hopefully he'll step up. Maybe even sign Robert Alford once again to a veterans minimum contract and bring him back at thirty three. And then my last room would be the tight end man. Mm. I, I honestly, this was a go back and look at the tape. This was a completely different team through the first five weeks of the season offensively. They played their best when they had a two-way tight end and rundown situation in Max Williams. I mean, Dave, to your point, if the Cardinals make Zach Ertz a priority and they spend the money, they retain Zach Ertz, Max Williams coming off a knee injury, a season-ending knee injury. I mean, what's the market going to be for him? Do you think it's realistic that somehow, some way, they can retain both those tight ends for the 2022 roster? And if they don't, to Wolf's point, they have to find another guy that can do that. And that's either in free agency or through the draft, you know, getting somebody high. 
that can be a weapon. I mean, tight ends, you know, now are basically like receivers. Can you find that guy that's a great blocker? But I want to go back to your guys' point on Marco Wilson. And that's why I put the defensive line as the biggest area of need for me. Mm. Because if your defensive line is better, if you're getting more push up the middle, if you're getting consistent pressure off the edge, if you're stopping the run up front, your corners are automatically better. Yeah. So, yes, they, they need to upgrade. They need somebody. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure Marco Wilson can't be a number one or Byron Murphy can't be a number one. They're, they're just their numbers weren't as good the second half of the season because overall the team wasn't as good. So, and I include, you know, when I say defensive line, I include outside linebacker at that, you know, because those guys are, are standing up, but they're on the line the entire game. So, you know, the, the Chandler Jones factor to me is if, okay, if you don't bring him back, what's the domino? Who, who's your number one guy there? And if it's not Chandler Jones, then, then who is it? Are you prepared? You're going to have to pay somebody. I mean, those, those guys are expensive. But, you know, there is a risk with, yeah. with Chandler Jones at this age to, to give him that kind of money. Yeah, he's going to be 32 this season. And if he isn't in the fold and you don't get a guy in free agency because it's just too darn expensive, and then is that too obvious come draft time? That's your need. And then teams jump you in the draft order if there is a viable edge rusher when it comes your turn to pick. So, and, and as far as Marco Wilson, I'm with you guys. You know, Christian Kirk told us something towards the end of the season on the Big Red Rage, and it was, you know what, when Marco Wilson did get beat, it's not like he got roasted. He was competitive all the way through most of the time. So, you know, maybe it's just making that jump from year one to year two. And he is a viable number two, eventually maybe even a number one corner. In fact, that'll be the question we come back. Which player do you think will make a jump next season? Which player needs to make that jump for the Cardinals to make a corresponding leap? It is the Big Red Rage with Dave Pash, all presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. It's a flea flicker, pitching it back to Lawrence. He's in trouble. Jump ball pass picked off near side by Murphy at the 30, running it back to the left of the 20, 10, 5, touchdown. Byron Murphy after a horrible mistake by the rookie with a pick six. Henry off the left side, and he's dumped immediately, and it's Isaiah Simmons knifing into the backfield to take him down. What a play by Simmons. You want to talk about playing downhill. Isaiah Simmons coming from the backside, making a play on King Henry, baby. High draft picks on the defensive side of the ball for the Arizona Cardinals. We are talking with the collective voice of the Arizona Cardinals, Dave Pash and Ron Wolfley here on the Big Red Rage. Paulie Pencilneck over here bringing you combine notes and knowledge. You guys, speaking of Isaiah Simmons, you realize that back in the day, with the combine starting next week, Dave, that Isaiah Simmons, when he was at his combine, ran a faster 40-yard dash than the all-time greatest return man in the history of the (laughs) NFL, Devin Hester that Isaiah Simmons ran a 4.39, and Devin Hester at his combine once upon a time ran a 4.43. So, that's just you know, wrong, Paul. That's just – then conversely, you realize Cooper Cup, who just won the triple crown of receiving and a ring, by the way, and he was, what, 4 for 4 with Matthew Stafford on the game-winning Super Bowl drive, ran the fourth slowest 40-yard dash over the last 10 NFL drafts of any receiver taken in the top three rounds. A four six two by Cooper Cup 
and look That's at him right so lovely, now. Paul. Is there a better receiver on the planet than Cooper Cup right now? Paul, I ran a four five eight and a four five nine at the combine. Just for I reference. <laughs> David I David, I did it, that. David. It's in the books. <laughs> oh, Can boy. you imagine that right there? He had to, honestly, it just goes to show you if you run routes well and know the route tree and and know coverage and know how to beat it. Um, you can do well in this league, can't you? Well, voice of college yeah, football. I just finished watching Man in the Arena. I don't know if you guys have mm. seen that, the, uh, Tom Brady. I just watched the last episode, and it, it, the big, probably the the crux of the issue with with the Patriots was finding that receiver, that go to guy after Welker and after Randy Moss. And guess who it was? It was a guy they drafted. I think it was like two hundred and thirtieth, Julian Edelman. Who ended up winning Super Bowl MVP. He was Cooper Cup before Cooper Cup. Right. Wow. Yeah, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. All right, so, look, who is that guy for the Cardinals this coming season? Mm. Who's that guy, not named Kyler Murray, that needs to take the next step that you expect to? That I mean, Wolf, please of all the guys. Please, Paul. I mean, please. Who, go ahead. Name please names. let it be Zayvon Collins, please. <laughs> Please, 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 Zayvon Collins. I can't argue with that. I mean, honestly, right now, I just want to see Zayvon Collins step up. This is going to be great for him. He's going to have the entire offseason. He's actually going to be able to work out at the facility, of course. He's going to be able to watch tape. He's going to be able to go through the process. He's going to be able to just absorb everything that there is about the National Football League. He's going to be able to study tape. He's going to totally be able to get the checks down in his brain. He's going to absorb this defense. And then he's going to go out and he's going to take that body. He's going to stick that body on somebody. And if you tell me that happens right there, um, that's the one guy. I'll start with Zayvon Collins. Dave, what do you think? I'll start with Rondale Moore. And I think he, Wolf made a good point on you know Zayvon Collins. And we talked in the first segment that I was on about you know the guys in the back end that need to step up and grow. Rondell Moore, we saw flashes, glimpses yeah. of this guy being electric. And, again, I, I don't know what happened uh, the second half of the season. And I think a lot of it was just the trickle down from Hop not being there. But I, I think if he steps up and he becomes a legit number two, and you're telling me DeAndre Hopkins is fully healthy, uh, I think the Cardinals have a chance to, to take that next step. Because Rondell Moore – fits the mold of I shouldn't say today's you know receiver because there are plenty of guys like DK Metcalf that still look like the guys that you know were you know the top five picks like Calvin Johnson but you know a lot of guys today are are the smaller guy the the guy that's like Cooper Cup that kind of works in the slot um, that can do different things that makes the contested catch that's tough after the catch I think Rondell Moore has a chance to be that guy well, and Sean Jefferson was our guest, the Cardinals receivers coach, last week, and, and we brought that up. What is the future for Rondell Moore? How much more can you get out of him? And, you know, there's a lot of fans who like to compare him to a Tyreek Hill, a poor man's Tyreek Hill, and, and we're not going to go there yet, but Sean Jefferson did say, yes, we can target him downfield like a Tyreek Hill. He does have that have route to. tree. They he have does to, have that potential. But you have to move him outside, right, Wolf? I mean, is no. that viable? Is that feasible? Hey, listen, Tyreek Hill 
scorches a lot of defense from the slot. <laughs> I mean, watch him. He'll line up in the slot. He'll run up the field and then all the way across. He'll run not a post, but all the way across the field. And it's one of those areas in which Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes, they tear up the league on that route. The, the crossover corner, if you will. You line up on the opposite side of the field and run the corner. And they do that an awful lot right there, trying to get him open vertically and horizontally. You guys heard me say this last year. Going into uh, Rondell Moore's rookie season, man, that kind of speed right there, he's got to beat him over the top. If you tell me that he's beating these guys over the top, he's getting vertical in his routes, and you can throw the ball down the field, and he can catch the ball, he can finish and hurt defenses, man, it would be the best development for the Arizona Cardinals offense. Not the horizontal route, the vertical routes. Speaking of development, I'm going to go with a couple of linemen. Zach Allen, who we learned after the year, was playing you know, with a bum wheel, and he was dealing with an injury. He had some really standout games. If he can maintain that sort of consistency and be that reliable guy, a three technique, and, and more versatile as well up and down that defensive line, that would be huge. And then I'm going to throw out there Josh Jones. Mm. You know, the long-term future of Kelvin Beecham. You're already paying big money to DJ Humphreys, $15 million a year, and guess what? His contract's going to be up after the end of next season. You're going to have to retain your left tackle. It is vital that you get a young guy in a rookie contract who you could plug and play at that right tackle position. And I think we all learned, if nothing else, Josh Jones is hes not a guard. I think 2021 proved he's not a guard, he's a tackle, but can he be a guy you can actually put in to the depth chart and count on him going forward? Yeah, that is a good I like that, Paulie. Yeah. Uh, I like it. I mean, remember when the Cardinals drafted him? They thought, man, we got great value with this kid. We we had him as a late first-round pick, and you got him in the third round. So now it's time for him to to play like that, and we saw – a couple games where he did, and then that was about it. And I, I think we all wondered why he wasn't as good, uh, you know, that last half of the season Man. as he was when we saw him early in the year. Guys, how many players could we say that about last year? How many players could we say that yeah. about that played really, really well, I think, through the first 10, you know, 11 weeks of the season, and then all of a sudden, Bam. It's just, it seems so consistent. Marco Wilson was somebody we were talking about in the last beautiful part of the program. Isaiah Simmons. Guys, Isaiah Simmons, I I thought there were some people that were pointing to Isaiah Simmons saying he might be the most improved Arizona Cardinal on the team. And, And Byron Murphy as well was getting a lot of accolades. It was across the board. It was across the board, David. This is the thing that is just so perplexing to me right now. Marco Wilson is a guy that I want to see step up. Isaiah Simmons is a guy that I want to see do that. And let me just say this. My sleeper, Antoine Wesley. Mm. <laughs> that I'm serious. I think he could be your A.J. Green. Wow. We can't let Dave Pash go without a thought on the NFC West. And I just I happen to see some comments earlier in the week from Tim Hasselbeck. Brother of Matt Hasselbeck, longtime Seattle Seahawks quarterback. And when Tim Hasselbeck goes on ESPN, I think it was Tuesday morning, and he says, and I quote, I think Russell Wilson has played his last down as a Seahawk 
And the graphic below him, the lower third, reads out a quote from earlier from Tim Hasselbeck that Russell Wilson wants out, and I think the Seahawks would be happy to move him, quote, end quote. Your thoughts on Russell Wilson perhaps being on the move and out of the NFC West? Oh, I'm sure he wants out, but if you're Seattle, you know, you're giving up a future Hall of Famer. You got to make sure that you're getting a legitimate quarterback in return, and I'm not going to rely on a rookie, meaning I'm not going to trade Russell Wilson for a bunch of first round picks and go, you know, three and 14 this year. Uh, So, I mean, that could obviously change the landscape of the entire NFL if Russell Wilson is traded, especially if it's somewhere else in the NFC. San Francisco, I think we saw that, you know, Jimmy G, uh, right now at least, is your best option. That's why I thought they should have drafted Kyle Pitts last year <laughs> instead of Trey Lance. I, I still don't think Jimmy G is good enough to, to get you a Super Bowl, but he's obviously good enough to win some playoff games and put you in position. Uh, and then the Rams, I think there's the unknown still with Aaron Donald and Sean McVay on whether those guys come back and, you know, they run it back one more time, and Matthew Stafford too. But, you know, the Rams were not the best team in the NFL for most of the season, and they won the Super Bowl. So I still think the NFC West, given what I expect, how I expect the Cardinals to be next year, I still think you're going to have three of the top nine or ten teams in the entire NFL being in the NFC West, and that's San Francisco, Arizona, and L.A. Uh, Paulie, did you say Russell Wilson was going to leave the NFC West? Is that what you said, Paul? Um, that's that's what Tim Hasselbeck said. <laughs> you know what? I love Tim right now. Let's uh, can we make that happen, Tim? Somehow, some way, can we get <laughs> Russell Wilson out of the NFC West? That's fine. I got no problem with that. In terms of San Francisco, and who might actually be a good fit there? Boy, there's a lot of smoke out there about Carson Wentz right now, isn't there? There's a lot of smoke, and a lot of it seems pretty logical. I think that is a transition quarterback, if ever there was a transition quarterback, and a guy that can do both, the old and the new offensive schemes that I think Kyle Shanahan wants to blend, and then maybe he doesn't have to go to Trey Lance immediately. You know who wants that gig as a transition quarterback with the Niners? Tom Brady. Tom Brady, you can't tell me, doesn't want that gig and go back to his hometown team. He was sitting in the stands for the catch by Dwight Clark from Joe Montana in the 81 NFC Championship game win against the Cowboys. You can't tell me that Tom Brady wouldn't want to be that transition guy (laughs) back with the Niners. Tommy, I'm telling you. He's done, Paul. He's retired, Paul. Not only is Russell Wilson not leaving this season, I'm with Dave. I don't think you could see Tom Brady with the 49ers in this division. You want the SEC of the NFL. It's coming. Before we let David go, are you going to tell me you think Tom Brady's coming back too? I think it's a viable possibility. I do. I think it's possible. I I do. I I do. I think it's possible. What? Yeah, so wait a minute. Tom Brady is literally going to use his family as the reason why he wants to retire <laughs> and well, then go back on we've, that? We've seen, we've seen guys make a decision in other sports or as coaches and then five months, six months later change their mind. I mean, think about it. It's, it's still late February. Training camp's a long way off. If Tom kids. Brady, August 1st, says, I'm going to play – and, there's a, and they find a place for him to play, and where is he going to play, and which team he's going to play with. 
I could definitely see that happen. Oh, my goodness. I mean, Brett Favre did it like four off-seasons in a row. He did. The- Brett Favre never used his family as to why he was going to retire. Tom Brady did. His kids. Yeah, all he has to do is, like Dave said, four months from now, I changed my mind. I'm back. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have Why a new would you quarterback. Want to get away from Bruce Arians? Why would you want to go somewhere else if you're Tom Brady? You've, you've been to the Bill Belichick's of the world. Well, there's one box he hasn't checked in his career, Wolf, and that's to play for the team he grew up rooting for. Paul, he's retired. By the way, I think Dave. He misses the Belichickian way. Go watch Man in the Arena. I think he misses <laughs> that type of coach and that, that type of environment. We got to let Dave Pash go. He's got to mentally prepare for a gig tomorrow night with Bill Walton. <laughs> so, all the best with that, Dave. All right, David. All right, we'll come back. We'll get into this, and we'll get into Rondale Moore, Wolf's number one pick for a guy to improve next year, next on the Big Red Range. Murray straight drop back in trouble. Flushed out, moving left. Fires it deep. Left side, a jump ball. It's caught on the near sideline, but they say out of bounds. Boy, Rondell Moore, just a heck of a catch. Man, he was interfered with. I don't know how they didn't call pass interference. Boy, did he catch it, though, Wolf? The ruling on the field has been changed to a catch. Well, they changed, down. They changed the ruling on the field to a catch. What an incredible... I mean, you got it. That's as good as it gets. I cannot even believe what I just saw on replay. They got some filthy dudes making plays. I mean, Rondale Moore, that catch. That is one of the sickest plays I have seen. And we're talking about a rookie wide receiver. That toe tap against the Niners, that was the degree of difficulty on that. And look, Wolf, you spent a decade in the NFL. You know the saying, players no players. Yeah. And it was in training camp. It was about 10 days, two weeks into training camp, and it happened more than once. I'm talking with a veteran, a respected guy on the team, and he would interrupt the conversation and nod towards Rondale Moore. He'd go, see that kid? Yeah. He can, he can be he can be special. That, or he'd say, that kid? He'd nod as it. That kid can play. So, players, they, they identified it early in training camp. He's got all the potential. The question is, okay, can he get traction? And then he had some injuries, that ankle injury that nagged him the end of this season, mm-hmm. sort of like it did the end of his college career. We get that. But then we both heard Sean Jefferson, and everyone heard him on the Big Red Rage last week. I'm curious as to your takeaways, because it sounds like, according to Sean Jefferson, they've already had that discussion about him maybe moving outside more, being downfield more, and it sounds like his receiver coach definitely has confidence he can take that next step. Yeah, there's no doubt, Paulie. And Sean Jefferson was also talking about this offseason, how critical it was going to be for Rondell Moore this offseason and the work he was going to be able to get in out on the field and expanding that route tree and and running routes down the field and how important it was going to be for him to develop that part of his game, not just horizontal, but also the vertical part of it, Paulie. It's so important. I mean, if if you can tell me that you can line up Rondell Moore. I don't care if he's in the slot or he is outside, and you run him over the top and you got D Hop working the short and intermediate stuff. 
something that he does very, very well, boy, that is going to be a nightmare scenario. Throw in one more. You need one more wide receiver. Hey, Christian Kirk, is that a possibility that C. Kirk might actually come back and play? I don't know. I think somebody is going to step up and pay Christian Kirk. But, man, 11 personnel is going to be a primary personnel group for the Cardinals. One back, one tight end, three wide receivers. That's when they were at their best through the first seven weeks of the season using that personnel group and rundown yep. situation and they were sh- they were shredding the league here's kyle vandenbosch on the red sea report this week when asked about rondell moore and his near future you know i hate to make player comps but you envision a tyreek hill type of influence on this offense where he can catch a five-yard route and take it to the house but um, if you jump that route he's going to go deep and he's going to be a threat down the field and i think that's where his progression is going to go because he shows you know not quite that type of speed of Tyreek Hill, but he shows the similar type of abilities and the awareness and the ability to make people miss and the ability to stick his foot in the ground and gain yards in a hurry. Because what did so many teams do, especially the second half of the season? They went with those two high safety yes. shell coverage looks, right? you got to try and beat those coverages for some chunk plays and make them respect that and then open everything else up. I know, remember you talking about that, Wolf. And yeah. That well, obviously could be a big key, Rondale Moore. Yeah, Paulie, but if they're going to run those those two high safeties, you got to run the ball. In rundown situations, yep. you've got to run the ball. If they're going to keep those safeties high, you got to do it and then use the power of play action to throw it. By the way, Christian Kirk on Twitter, did you see the picture tweeted out of him on a double date? with Bills quarterback Josh Allen. Yes. Who's good friends with Kyle Allen, who's good friends with Christian Kirk because they played high school ball together in Scottsdale then at Texas A&M, and they both work with the same quarterback coach, Jordan Palmer, brother of Carson Palmer. So Christian Kirk, let's hope the Bills don't have enough cap room to sign him. Okay? <laughs> Agreed, Bobby. Yeah. Special thanks, Jim Omondro, Lauren Koval. How about Dave Pash, our special guest here tonight, and this edition of the Big Red Rage presented by Sam. Santan Ford and Gilbert, we are Santan Ford. Number one, Kyler Murray! You've been listening to The Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.